Welcome to In the Wake with Whitney. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. Alrighty, we're back. So I'm here with Annie Romano. Hi, Annie. Hi. (laughs) So just a little introduction. Annie and I have known each other since we were, what, 14? 14. And we were best friends for years. Um, She kind of got the brunt of the abusive relationship when I was isolated from everyone and he convinced me that she was bad for my mental health. But once I cut him out of my life, I reached out to Annie and we've been good ever since, right? Yes, (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) Yeah, so we've reconnected and we're both so passionate about mental health. So passionate. (laughs) We've both struggled with mental different mental illnesses and so we're both in much better places now um I love kind of comparing where we were a couple years ago like personally and where we are now we recently had like a mean girl moment and it was a milestone where we're like wow a year ago this would have both given us anxiety attacks and we would be sobbing and obsessing over it but we both handled it very maturely and because we've done the inner work we've both gone to therapy and so I don't know where I'm going with this but this is Annie Romano and I'm going to interview her today because she decided to share her hashtag no filter story through my foundation and the stigma so I want to dive deeper into her story and everything she has to say. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. <laughs> okay. So can you kind of give us the lowdown of what what's your story and who are you? Yes, I can do that. Um, so I am a survivor and still surviving social anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, I've been through like a total of like a year of treatment, I guess. And something like a year and a half-ish of medication. So I have some experience there. I first got diagnosed in 2016. So it's been like three years since my diagnosis, which seems kind of crazy. Like three full years, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just kind of worked through things and I still have a lot to work through. So I'm like, by no means, no means totally recovered, but I'm getting there. Um, so... I also just recently graduated from Utah State University with a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology. So this is kind of like my field. This is what I love to do. I love to help people. Um, I work with kids that have autism and I do ABA therapy with them. So just the whole entire therapeutic relationship is something that I absolutely love. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. And I love that you have taken 
what you've gone through and turn it around into this thing where you can help other people through what they're going through. Like you get it. You've been there. Right. Yeah, I get it. You've been on the opposite (laughs) side. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to do so much of that. Hopefully. It's going to be good. (laughs) So can you explain OCD or social anxiety? Like what does living with OCD or social anxiety look and feel like on the daily for you? Okay, so I'll start with social anxiety. Um, Like, my biggest symptoms were definitely, like, if I had plans, say it was, like, Friday afternoon, and I had plans at, you know, 5 o'clock, I would probably spend from, like, 4.15 until, like, 4.45 in the bathroom. My stomach would be killing me. My heart would be racing. There's a good chance I'd be crying because I just, like, was so worked up, so nervous, so excited all at the same time and, like, overwhelmed that, you know, I got to see someone. And it just gave me like a lot of anxiety um, to interact with other people. Um, another thing was like avoiding interactions. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of like brings me into OCD. Um, I would avoid social interactions mainly because of anxiety, but then it became I would avoid them because I didn't want to get germs, I didn't want to get sick. OCD is like, so it stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. And the obsessions are like more in your head, things that you think about on the daily, but they could be like a million and one things. Um, there's this really cool book. So if anybody, if anybody has OCD, I would definitely buy this book. It's, I found it on Amazon, but it's called the OCD workbook. And it basically like goes through every single like type of OCD and their symptoms. And there's like a whole entire checklist that you can go through. I checked off plenty of those boxes. So um, yeah, OCD, so compulsion, I mean, obsessions, sorry, obsessions first, more in your head. And they're just kind of like, like recurring thoughts, but they're like, they become like dysfunctional to your like well-being. Um, just thinking about something constantly and then upset, I mean, compulsions, sorry, are things like touching certain things or doing certain actions. Like for a lot of people, like hand washing is one of those compulsions. Mm-hmm. They have to do it for a certain number of minutes, um, a certain number you know, of times per day, things like that. Um, so as far as like my obsessions and compulsions, it was more like I would have obsessions over like a text message. Like I would have to keep like going back, rereading it, make sure I send it to the right person, the right time. I mean, that's kind of like a minor one probably like a bigger compulsion would be, I'm trying to think like what one of my bigger ones would be, but like if I'm in the car driving, I would have to like touch certain parts of my car or else I would crash. Or like before I'd leave in the morning, I would have to touch like my bed, my dresser, my closet, my door. Um, and then one that I mentioned in my no filter story was, um, if like somebody I was talking to was, you know, leaving the room, I would have to inhale and I couldn't exhale until they had left the room because I was worried if I, you know, exhaled while they were walking out that they would somehow get super hurt or injured or die just because I was breathing out. So those are kind of like the symptoms of it. That's kind of what living with it is like, kind of like in the hardest times. So Mm, that's so good. Thank you. I will link the book in the show notes below if anyone wants to look into that. It's a super great resource. Um, well, thank you for explaining those. Yeah. I think people don't quite understand, especially OCD. It's used more of like an adjective than anything these days. And mm-hmm. it kind of bothers me. I'm like, 
bothers me too. Right. Like just because you want the pillows on the couch a certain way doesn't mean you have OCD and you can't really call it OCD. Like that's not, mm-hmm. you know, fair to people who have like the actual diagnosis and who have gone through the things I've gone through. Like it's not this super fun little disorder that you have. Like it's nothing like that. So Yeah. I, uh, people use mental illness, like disorders yeah. as adjectives right. all the time. Right. Like I'm so OCD or oh I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah. My thing is like, you're allowed to have those feelings, like feel sad, you know, feel nervous, however you want, but don't say that you like have a clinical diagnosis unless you do. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. if you're that concerned about it, I would definitely suggest, like, talking to somebody that isn't your own head. Mm-hmm. So, definitely, like, if you think you have something, you know, go t- go reach out to somebody. Because it's, like, not fair to those who do that, um, like, not that you're taking away whatever they have. But it just kind of gets made fun of and is seen in light and it's not really right. Yeah. There are serious things that affect so many people so it's not a joke it's not something to throw around right and like, like you said people can have moments of sadness right or absolutely moments of anxious feelings or yeah. moments where they're maybe obsessing over something mm-hmm. or compulsive but it doesn't mean you, you have, have the disorder, disorder. Yeah. yeah and so throwing it around like that kind of invalidates other people's mm-hmm. experiences yeah so what was the climax or turning point for you? How did you start your journey of healing? I think it's when I started going to therapy. I mean, like once I decided I was really set on it. And so I had a pretty terrible experience with a therapist. I mean, I could go more into that if. Yeah, yeah. If you want to share. Yeah, go sure. Ahead. I feel like this just needs to, you know, be put out somewhere. I won't, you know, I won't reveal things, but um, I, so I'm like not a super touchy person. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, once you get to know me, it's like, okay, I'll let you in a little bit. But other than that, I'm like, do not touch me. Do not hug me. Do not make contact with me. Please don't do that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's everybody's right as a human. Like, you can say what you want and what you don't want. Um, yeah. And so this therapist that I, I think I mentioned in my no filter story, but I didn't really go into detail. Um, after, like, probably my fifth or sixth session with her within the span of, like, three months, um, she asked me for a hug after the session. and I said. I stood my ground and I said, no, I don't really do that. You know, it's not something I'm comfortable with. She said, no, I'd like a hug. And I said, again, I said, no, you know, I don't think that's something I I want to do. And that's not something, you know, we should be doing. Like, this is a total professional relationship. And, you know, other people might be comfortable with that, but I'm not. And so she went ahead and she did it anyway. And that was like really difficult for me. And that just kind of like ruined therapy for me for about a year and a half. So, um, yeah, so although, like, my turning point did come when I finally, like, got help and went to therapy, like, I had such a terrible experience that I didn't go back for a year and a half, and then I finally, like, um, recognized how badly I needed the help, and I went back. So, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that was kind of the turning point, going to therapy, but um, I do want to kind of put out there, like, one bad therapist, like, might be there, but then there's, like, 99 good therapists, so... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this frustrates me because I've had so many people have bad experiences with therapists and then they just swear off therapy altogether. But if you don't connect with a therapist, if you, you're not getting along, you don't like what they have to say, like 
try a new therapist. Right. They, I mean, most therapists have like consultation sessions that end up being cheaper than mm-hmm. like just a regular session would be. So, and you can feel free to email them. You can call them. Um, you can schedule like to like talk to them. Um, just about like who they are, what they believe and stuff like that. And there's like websites like psychologytoday.com. Mm-hmm. You could, they have like a find the therapist link. Um, so I would just do your research on therapists and like, don't give up hope if like your therapist does something terrible <laughs> like mine did. <laughs> um, and also like, don't be afraid if something like that happens to you, report it. Yeah. Like absolutely report it. I, you know, went through the reporting um, things with uh, my new therapist and she helped me through it. And it was really important that I had like a good experience with therapy um, after a really terrible one. So I kind of get that bad taste out of my mouth and I realized, oh, this is actually like a really cool thing. It's not weird. It's Mm -hmm. totally normal. So. Yeah. And my therapist that I have right now, I remember the very first session she said, like, if we don't vibe. Like if we don't connect, just tell me and I'll help you find a new therapist. Like that's totally okay. And so you don't have to stick with the first therapist you try. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, the first time I think it was because of my parents having like marriage problems and things like that. And so I was already super stressed out and, um, I kind of like, took myself on like I took off the parent role for myself so I was really like taking care of myself which is really difficult when I'm like you know what 15 16 years old um and so my dad just kind of said um that I could go like see the therapist that they had been seeing for like years and years and years so um I totally forget the question but that was like my first like thing that got me into therapy is just like my dad mentioning it to me. And then the second time was like me being like, okay, this is something I need to be doing. So the second time, I mean, you kind of have to tell half of this story because it has Mm -hmm. to do with, like I said, when I introduced Danny, we were best friends. We're still really good friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. You wouldn't be sitting Uh, here. When you were going through everything with your parents and your own mental illness, I was there for you. We were really close and you would confide in me in these things. And that's normal for like a friendship to be able to talk about the hard things, Mm -hmm. but it reaches like a certain point where you can't take it anymore. It's like too much. Well, and like for a 15, 16 year old. Oh yeah, it's extremely hard. It's not a burden, but it's like you can't give the right kind of advice or validation because you're not trained in that and talk about it in a way that will be helpful. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I was in the abusive relationship and he, in an effort to isolate me from you because, you know, he wanted to be my best friend and he didn't want you to be close to me because that was not okay with him. Um, He convinced me that you were just bad for my mental Mm -hmm. health altogether, which I do not believe to be true. But so we kind of got into a fight, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't like, I mean, we were fine. Like the next day. Yeah. I think it was just more of like a confrontation. Like like a (laughs) hard conversation. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where basically I was just like, I love you, but I think you need to see a therapist because I'm not the right person to be talking about these things. Like, I want to be there for you Mm -hmm. in this journey and all of that kind of stuff, but it reaches a certain extent. And so I was just like, I 
recommend you seeing a therapist right. or anything like that. <laughs> and so now you tell your point of view, <laughs> your um, side of the story. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I, like, I mean, she told it, like, the same way I thought. <laughs> I didn't know if it was different, but, yeah, um, I, like, didn't realize how much, like, I don't know how not normal it was. I think that was the hard thing for me. And I was kind of like, what the heck did you just say to me? What do you mean? I need to go see a therapist. That's so weird. Um, (laughs) Because I just thought what was happening is like things that normal kids go through, like everybody goes through. And so I was like, what, what the heck? Like, why does she think I need to go see a professional for this? Like, I'm sure everybody kind of goes through this, but then I just thought about it before I replied with like an angry text or something. I always, I always (laughs) get away. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? You don't know anything. Um, And so I just kind of thought about it. I was like, you know what? This really is not like it shouldn't, I shouldn't be, you know, what, 16 years old and going through the things I'm going through by myself. Like obviously friends are there for you. And it wasn't that she didn't want to listen to me or that I was a burden in any way, but it was just like, okay, dude, like there are people who are trained in this, you know, they can help you. And so I think it wasn't like she hates my guts and doesn't want to talk to me ever again, but it was more of like, I want to help you. And this is a way I can help you, you know? So yeah, I think that's, that was the second time I got into therapy. Mm -hmm. Which I think from both ends is very hard. That's a hard conversation to have, but it does come from a place of love. Like, I see you struggling and I see you I want to help, but this is the only way I know how. Yes. And so I'll lead you in the right direction, like point where you can go because like, I can't help in the way that I wish I could Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so for anyone listening on either side, if you have someone coming to you that's close to you and loves you kind of confronting you about things like that like take a step back yeah and <laughs> just listen kind of evaluate like is this coming from a place of love or do they really not know what they're talking yeah, about yeah, before sure. you get defensive and then also from a supporter friend or family member mm-hmm. point of view like that is the best form of support or love right is not it's it's kind of a boundary yeah I, guess, I think it is is pointing them in the right direction of like mm-hmm. where they can get help right. further um instead of just letting them drown mm-hmm. in all of their pain right um okay moving on <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing i feel like i don't know that's crazy that, that happened but. i know it seems we like we were babies so long ago. Then. Okay, so what's your biggest takeaway or coping mechanism from therapy? Oh boy, I gotta think about this. Okay, so I think my favorite thing that I've learned, and this is like actually pretty recently, mm-hmm. I learned about this concept called radical acceptance. So mm-hmm. one of my like issues is the fact that like I don't know, life just doesn't go the way you want it to, like ever. So, and that's really hard for me to be like, wait, what do you mean? Like, this wasn't perfect. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's crazy. So it's just kind of like accepting, like not, ex- not like being okay with the circumstance, but just being like, okay, this is how it is. I can't go back to the past and I cannot change things. I can only change, you know, what happens next. So that was really neat to learn about. And I was actually talking, I guess, about this last night in group, mm-hmm. um, but I there's this analogy. It's like a rope and you're kind of tugging with, you know, for me, it would have been like control. 
Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, fighting with control. So controls on one end of the rope and I'm on the other one. And it's just this crazy tug of war, you know, who's going to win. And so eventually you just have to kind of put down that rope and let things happen. Um, Accepting that I cannot change the situation. It is the way it is. And I can't do anything about it, but I can do how I like things about how I react. So that was like the coolest thing that I've learned so far is just accepting things. Like not that I'm okay with the way, you know, things are, but I am okay that it has happened and that I can do whatever I can to like either prevent it from happening or change how things will happen in the future. So I really, really like that. That's cool. And I like that you used control because I totally struggle (laughs) with that. That's one of my anxiety triggers, but So basically what I'm getting out of this whole radical acceptance thing is basically you can't change your circumstances sometimes or the things going on around you, Mm -hmm. but you can change how you react to them or how you respond or how you kind of go forward with it in the future. Yeah. Okay. I just like reactions too are really big for stuff like that. Yeah. Like how you react to things. Okay. So... Can we take a moment to reflect on how far you've come? Sure. <laughs> oh, so can you speak into maybe how you respond to triggering situations Ooh, now yes. compared to maybe <laughs> a year or two years ago? Yes. So oh, my biggest thing is reaching out to people and mm-hmm. having connections. I do have like a super t- like very close friend that um, I talk to like pretty much every single day. She is super, super good at, like, noticing, like, I mean, I live eight hours away, but um, she's very good at noticing, like, if I'm down or if there's something off with me um, or things like that. And, you know, typically, if, you know, three years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I'm totally fine. And then I'd either be angry that, you know, they didn't ask more or Mm -hmm. I, you know, would just kind of wallow and, like, pity myself and um, kind of feel bad for myself instead of having that help. But now either, you know, when she asks me or sometimes I am like, you know what, I had a really crappy day today. Um, I need help. I need you to talk to me. You know, can I call you? That kind of thing. So I think the question was like, how do I respond to triggers now? Yeah. 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 Um, so my biggest thing is like social and emotional connection with people. That mm. is the biggest thing. I'm going to try to think. Like, so instead of isolating right. in your little bubble and yeah yeah I absolutely my first thing is I reach out to somebody about it so like when you're struggling or when you're triggered or you're just having a really bad day Mm -hmm. you reach out instead of isolating I don't lock myself in my room I keep Mm -hmm. my door open and I have people come talk to me and things like that or I go do something I will I mean a lot of times like I mean people would never know this but you know if I'm having a really bad day I might text a friend be like hey do you want to go hang out and just not talk about what I was going through or anything and they might have no idea that I just like stopped for three hours but um all they know is like hey I invited you to do something it's not so I can help myself but it's also like getting together with somebody else like I don't know it's just nice to have like other people around so yeah yeah that's like a big thing for me I think that is a huge thing that not many people can do no yeah it's really hard for people to ask for help or Mm -hmm. ask for something they need or talk about themselves when they're struggling right but it's in the long run like so good for you and makes life so much easier so that's just really cool 
Yeah, you have to communicate your needs because people are not mind readers. I always thought <laughs> people like Whitley when I was like 16 had no idea what I was doing. I just assumed she was a mind reader. And if she didn't like text me or something that I thought she was going to say, I'd be like, what the heck, Whitley? Like, that is not what I was thinking. So, yeah. People are not mind readers. <laughs> That's really funny that you said that because I'm on the opposite side where I think I'm a mind reader and I try reading everyone's <laughs> minds I'm like they're thinking this about me and this is happening right but I'm like I actually I mean I'm on no both idea. then mm-hmm. I understand I think everyone <laughs> yeah yeah so none of us are mind readers none of us are mind readers my friends we just have to communicate <laughs> yes how has stigma or shame played a part in your story oh boy so it played a big part in my story I probably would have reached out for help when I was like 13 or 14 um I've always known that I was like kind of more anxious than other kids like there are things that kind of scare me like okay for example this might sound like super weird but like and it might sound like it has nothing to do with anything but it absolutely is anxiety so (laughs) okay um things like fire drills in Mm. school doesn't seem to phase any other kid, right? Like, it's just typical, you know, they pull the alarm, you walk out, no big deal. But for me, like, ever since I was in elementary school, and even through high school, I would seriously cry every time the fire Mm -hmm. alarm went off, because of, like, how anxious, like, I was so built up, and, like, even in high school, I would literally, like, go to the nurse's office, just to get out of, like, thinking that there was a fire drill during, like, second period. So, it got pretty severe. So, things like that are, like, the ways that I knew I was already like, okay, I think I ran a little bit more anxious and worried than like most people my age. They don't freak out about the things that I usually freak out about. So I would have reached out for help, but I feel like a lot of people, at least like on social media, like especially on things like Twitter, they just kind of tweet stuff like, I'm so depressed. I have such bad anxiety today. I'm like, maybe I'm just one of you, you know, <laughs> like maybe I just, Twitter will be my therapy. So I just didn't really have resources and especially like not, I mean, I had like, I have one super awesome, great parent, but then the other one's like kind of like not super, you know, they don't play a big role in my life. So, um, I really only had one parent, um, kind of involved with what I was going through, but I also have nine siblings, seven of which are younger than me. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of like, you know, not that my one parent did anything wrong. They absolutely did not, but I just kind of like was super independent, kind of took care of myself. Like I said in the video, I kind of said I put myself on the back burner and became my own parent. So there was just kind of like, I just wasn't able to get the help I needed to because I wasn't, you know, I was too embarrassed to talk about it because I just, you know, before, honestly, like before Whitley, like really came out with things, like, I feel like there was not much said about mental health and I just kind of felt like alone, like I'm the only one who deals with this. Um, So yeah, mental illness is isolating. Yeah, so I just kind of felt like shameful about it, and I think there was definitely a stigma. I believe probably until I was like 15, that medication was just used for people like in mental hospitals and stuff <laughs> like that, which is like so not true. Um, it's like so much more common than you think. Because I mean, one in what's it? One in five? I think that's the statistic. Um, people are you know mentally ill, and mm-hmm. that is like you know that's think of so think of five people you know. One of those people probably has a mental illness, at least one, if not more. So things like that um, help me like feel better. Like, okay, I'm not alone. Um, you know, so that kind of helps me get out of the stigma and shame. So just because people don't understand it doesn't mean that there's not people who do and mm-hmm. people who also kind of struggle with you. So that helped me get out of it is knowing that other people also struggle and I can just hop on the struggle bus and we'll all be there together. <laughs> yeah. If, if you take that statistic and like a 
classroom, like a high school classroom. Right. 40 kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, I even think, like, the rates are more prevalent in high schools and colleges. So mm-hmm. there's probably more than one in five. So many people in your circle or around you in your daily life could be struggling. But and you people have don't, no idea. Yeah. People don't talk about it because it's a shameful thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's the stigmas that, like, make it even more shameful. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really hard to. It definitely is. You think you're the only one. But you're not. You yeah. are not alone. <laughs> I wish I could, like, I need to make that on a shirt. Like, you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Scream it from the rooftop. Yes, please. Yeah. So what are some myths or Ooh. misunderstandings <laughs> people have about OCD or social anxiety or mental illness in general? Just what are the myths and misunderstandings? Okay. Oh, boy. Um, okay, so social anxiety. I feel like I see tweets on Twitter all the time like oh my gosh I have such bad social anxiety and I'm like no you do not wow I'm like trying to think of an example of this so things like you know say you're at a party and you don't really want to be there and you're just kind of like feeling anxious like kind of like isolated I don't know if anybody else has ever felt like that they probably have but I just kind of feeling like the odd one out like and that's normal but I like that's something that people say, oh my gosh, my social anxiety is so bad. I feel like left out of this little group, but that's not social, social anxiety. That's just like feeling isolated, you know, one time. But for me, it was like, you know, you spend 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after, and you're kind of up all night thinking about, did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? I think another component of social anxiety I haven't really mentioned, it was like, kind of like fearing that you somehow did something super embarrassing, um, or people thought you were super weird. And so kind of like, you know, after an event, I'll just kind of think, okay, what could I have done wrong? You know, do they hate me? And if I don't talk to them for like the next few days, I'm like, you know, is there something wrong with me? Do they think I'm super weird? Am I ever going to hang out with them again? And just, I know I'm talking super fast because that's kind of how my mind thinks. It just Mm -hmm. like goes super fast and I can't really catch up with it. So that's kind of a myth of like, just because, you know, you feel left out at a party once that it's not social anxiety. So I think another kind of misunderstanding about social anxiety is like being an introvert oh my goodness okay that's the one I was missing I was like I feel like there's a big one but like I can't put my finger on it yes okay just because you do not enjoy being around people which is totally fine so I am actually an ambivert is that what it's called ambivert okay yes so I'm like an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert so I kind of I love being around people but I'm like, okay, I'm going to sleep now. So yeah. I'm going to sleep. Or then there's sometimes when I'm like super bored and all I want is to be around people. So I understand both sides, but just because like you don't enjoy being around, you know, a lot of people at one time, that's totally normal. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, I actually feel more comfortable one-on-one than in groups of people. So I totally okay. understand that, but that's not social anxiety. Like, yeah, just being a homebody and right. not wanting to go to big parties, like being yeah. an introvert does not mean you, you have social have anxiety. Social anxiety. At least in the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic manual of psych... What's the word I'm thinking of? I don't know. Mental illnesses. So for something to be considered a mental, mental illness, it has to interfere with your functioning. That is a thing that they put under every single um, disorder is it has to interfere with daily living and functioning skills. So if it's not interfering with like your ability to like see people, to talk to people, then it's not social anxiety, man. It's just not. So um, if it interferes with you one time, that is also not social anxiety. It has to be recurring over like weeks. I really like that you mentioned that. Yes. Because that it kind of goes back to the whole adjectives just oh throwing goodness, it out yeah. there like yeah if it's not 
if it's not disrupting your daily life and your ability to function, then it's not really considered social anxiety yeah, or it's mental not a disorder. Illness. Yeah. So what about OCD? What are some myths or must understand? I feel like I kind of already like touched on that a little bit just with like, you know, it's not you just wanting your house clean. <laughs> it's not yeah. it. There has to be obsessions and compulsions with it. Hmm. I feel like people don't really talk about OCD as much as like depression and anxiety. I yeah. feel like it's not like as common as those two. We've gotten to a point. Okay. Years ago, it was like any mental illness had so much shame and stigma. Right. And it was just, you, no one talked about it. No one understood it. Mm-hmm. But we've progressed a little bit where anxiety and depression are more accepted normal. or like, normal. Yeah. But things like bipolar or oh, OCD okay, yes. okay. are more <laughs> like... yeah. So, okay, so obsessive compulsive disorder, when you say it like that, it sounds like totally crazy. You know what I mean? Like, at least when I first heard it, I was like, wait, what the heck did you just tell me? Um, It kind of makes you sound like a crazy person, like you're obsessing over certain things and like compulsions, the word compulsion kind of like, I don't know, it made me feel like, am I supposed to be locked up in a cage somewhere? Like, I don't want to be touching certain things at a certain time. And that was like really freaky freaky for me because I was like, why do I have to touch this chair so many times? I don't really know. My bank just telling me to do it. So um, it doesn't make you crazy. I wish I would have known that. Sometimes the thoughts that come into our head, it's like really hard for us to kind of like push them away and be like, that's not true, um, especially when it's scary. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the biggest, I mean, this isn't really a myth, just more of like people who do have it or have symptoms of it. It doesn't make you crazy. And yeah, like there's absolutely help out there. So just because it's not as like prevalent as depression and anxiety seem to be, um, doesn't mean it's like not as real or anything. Like it's absolutely there, but it doesn't make you crazy and you yeah. will absolutely heal from it. Sometimes it feels like it takes over your life and your well-being. And like, I've had some friends notice it. Like, why do you touch your car so many times? Like, I don't, I don't, like, I just wasn't ready to talk to them about it. So I was like, I actually don't really know. I think, you know, it just, like, it's just something I do. It kind of just feels automatic, but in your head, you're like, oh my goodness, I have to do this or else I'm going to die or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's just not this crazy person thing. Yeah. (laughs) Good stuff. Right. So what does your self-care routine look like as you fight with this mental illness. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to be totally honest here. I totally suck at self-care. I hate it. I'm not, <laughs> I don't hate it, but just the word kind of makes me uncomfortable. I don't know uh-huh. why. Um, yeah, I suck at it. I am terrible at it. But I think, was I talking about the friend that I have? Yes. The friend that I kind of talked to when I have like a bad day, she is very like much like if I have a bad day or something like she's like, okay, go do something like for yourself. Like, um, I don't know. And for me, it's kind of like, I'm still working on the fact that I am worth something. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, that I'm like worthy of like, I don't know, being nice to myself in the very least. So, um, yes, <laughs> yes. So, okay. Um, one of the things, honestly, you know, what? when I had a bad day, like I like try as much as I can. Like when I start crying, I try to like suck it up and be like, I'm fine. I don't need to cry right now. Like I'm doing fine. Crying's embarrassing, but I'm like starting to learn that like when I cry, like it's really good. Like it releases Mm -hmm. so much stress and then I feel so much better after. So even though it's not something like super bougie or something like (laughs) that, like crying does help me. Like it helps me so much. Um, I think another thing for self-care is honestly, again, just reaching out to people. Like I think 
when I, you know, I'm having like a really hard anxiety day or something like just being around other people is a form of self-care for me. It's like, okay, I need people in my circle. I need to talk to these people. I need to be with them. Um, so that's another thing or I don't know. I honestly like distractions. Mm -hmm. Distractions are a big thing. Um, like watching a show. I'm not like a big book reader. Like I need to be on my phone or watching a show. So that's kind of like another thing I do, which I know is not like super healthy to be distracting yourself all the time. And I totally get that. But like, sometimes that's what I need to get through my mm -hmm. day. Yeah. So yeah, those are kind of the things I do. I like that. I like that you're honest and say how it is that oh yeah I suck at hard. it um Whitley here loves it and is so good <laughs> at it and I'm over here like I don't know what I'm doing but. no but like self-care isn't just bubble baths and <laughs> face masks right and eating ice cream oh I love that though like I love that you said self-care for you looks like reaching out to people mm -hmm. being surrounded by people self-compassion right. and feeling worthy, crying. It's just doing things for yourself that you need to feel better, that exactly. help you yeah. feel better about yourself and deal with your mental illness in a more healthy way. And so right. crying, being like connection, all of the things that you mentioned are totally forms of self-care yeah. that you can do on the daily that are so, so good for you. Yeah. Okay, so what do you want the listeners to take away from this episode? What do you have to say to anyone struggling in silence? Oh boy, don't struggle in silence. Don't do that. No, no, no. We don't want that. Um, yeah, do not struggle in silence. You do not need to be struggling in silence. Um, there are so many, like, like, oh my goodness. I actually took this class, what was it, last semester? can't remember which semester I took it. It was called mental health awareness and advocacy. So I didn't like learn how to diagnose people, but I learned like how it can help people. Mm -hmm. And so with that, like there were so many websites and resources and programs made literally to help people with mental illnesses. So maybe I can like link a few websites. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to do that. Um, and it was so cool to learn about those. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, people who need therapy but can't afford it. They have programs for that. Um, people like, I mean, even like the suicide prevention hotline, things like that. Like there are phone numbers you can call if you need, you know, immediate help. Um, I would also say like, reach out to people and ask them, like, it's not as embarrassing as you would think it is. Like mm -hmm. bringing up that, hey, I'm really struggling. Like chances are they're struggling too. Like yeah. everybody, I feel like nobody talks about it, but everybody seriously has some kind of like monster in their life. You know, whether it's like a situation, whether it's a person, whether it's themselves that they're dealing with and you just don't know it. So I think being vulnerable helps others be more vulnerable. So absolutely reach out. You do not need to be struggling in silence. Um, but you have to decide for yourself, you know, do I want to keep living like this? Is this how I want to feel forever? Or do I want to, you know, get up and help myself? Mm -hmm. So that's what I would absolutely suggest is like, do not be afraid to speak up and speak out. Yeah, definitely speak up if you're hurting. Like there's no, you know, you, you know, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's really the biggest good. thing <laughs> I have to say. Um, when you were speaking, it reminded me kind of just that, we're all struggling in our own way. We all have this pain and we're all in our little bubbles and we like our bubbles don't touch each other, or interact 
And because I think like everybody, like especially on Instagram and things like that, everybody needs to look perfect and presentable. <laughs> and I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. I'm like, you know what? I just cried for six hours today, and this person just went to Africa for like a week to go feed like homeless children. Like, <laughs> I feel like total crap while they're probably living their best lives. Right. And then on the other hand, that person might be wishing, oh my gosh, I wish I was home. Oh my gosh, I have nothing I'm doing, or I'm sick, or things like that. While mm-hmm. they look at us and they're like, oh, they got to chill out all day. You know, they didn't have to do anything. So I think like kind of putting yourself in other people's shoes and being like, yeah. wow, I wonder what that would feel like. Yeah. And so. pop the bubbles and like interact and share your struggles and be vulnerable because once you open up about how you're struggling or your pain, so many people kind of just like are attracted to you like Mm -hmm. because that's not common. Yeah, for sure. And so they're like, oh my gosh, me too. I'm struggling too. I relate to you. Even if you don't have the same circumstances, like we're all feeling the universal feelings yes for sure so I like what you had to say about just reaching out to people thanks good stuff do you feel complete about everything you get I, I do I just like talk so much I think I can't talk for like next three weeks like, I just <laughs> talk so much wow it's all good stuff though yeah so I'll link the resources the book and Annie's Instagram yes social media I love new friends let me (laughs) just say that I love new friends and I would love to help anybody out um I have like a lot of knowledge like personally and educationally yeah I got a freaking bachelor's degree everyone I can help you out I can hook you up with so many things can we take a moment she has her bachelor's degree at age 19. I am 19. Yeah. I am. She is the coolest person <laughs> I I got you. So if you need help, reach out to me. Like, if I have to be the person you reach out to, go for it. I am here to help you. I am here to be your friend. Yeah. So, and I think I'm friendly. Nobody. You are friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, if you need help, I am, like, more than happy yeah, to help if you, if you think you're struggling with social anxiety or OCD. Right, or I can just, answer questions. Yeah. And you can do it anonymously if you need to yeah just, just like my friend struggles with this even though it's for you like that's totally fine with me. for a friend yeah <laughs> oh boy yes, yeah so you can reach out to annie i'll put her stuff in the show notes below and thanks for listening all right to sum up this episode i want to share the song "Ooh child by milk it's actually a cover by her The original song is an oldie, but I love the way she sings it. It's so powerful. And I'm not kidding when I say it's literally been on repeat the past week or so. It's been a rough, a rough week. And that's part of the reason why I didn't release a new podcast episode last week. But I will be discussing that further and kind of processing and telling you my experiences later when I'm ready because I'm in the middle of some stuff. (laughs) Anyway, the lyrics read, ooh child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh child, things will get brighter. Someday we'll get it together and we'll get it all done. Someday when your head is much lighter. Someday we'll walk in the rays of a beautiful sun. Someday when the world is much brighter. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things are going to get brighter. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier.
Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Someday we'll get it together and we'll get it all done. Someday when your head is much lighter. Someday we'll walk in the rays of a beautiful sun. Someday when the world is much brighter. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Oh, it gives me chills every single time. I definitely recommend going and listening to it. If you're having a hard time, or if you're not having a hard time, still listen to it. It's so good. So thanks for listening, and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.